Lexus Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Hello everyone, welcome to Absolute Rally, episode 3, season 24. I got a bit carried away last week. Um, we should probably have a nice bed of music at this point. Can't be arsed, I'll be honest, I'm probably not going to put a nice bed of music. I made... I, I insinuated that Jackie Boy Benyon hadn't been with us because he was doing roundy roundy shit. Somebody made reference to it and tweeted it. Um, it was nothing to do with the fact that he's been doing roundy roundy shit. It's just that I've been too lazy to reach out to all our normal. Um, I, can I call you a Jackie? You a presenter? <laughs> if you if you want to call me that, you can. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know my, if I deserve it. This is my absolute heart. presenter. Abs- yeah, <laughs> as an absolute Benyon presenter. Um, uh, and uh, our, 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 our calendars have not quite worked. So I, I wholeheartedly apologize um, to, to you, Jackie Boy Banyan, for insinuating that you couldn't be asked talking about rallying because you were doing roundy, roundy shit. That's all right. I've always got time for you, boys. It's always nice to join. And uh, yeah, no, it's good to be back and two, two episodes in a row. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into Ypres. Well, uh, well, so am I. I tell my, I haven't, I, I haven't finished the intro yet, Jack. So don't get ahead of yourself. I was just saying okay. sorry for saying round you round this shit a couple of times. That's all. Let's that's, not, that's all right. Don't no get problem. carried away now. You know what I mean? We've got to draw a line in the sand somewhere. You call me a presenter. I'm just going to make this my own train set and start being the conductor and, you know, start deciding what topics we, we discuss and all that kind of thing. Mate, please do it. <laughs> Honestly, do you know what? If somebody else could do that and I could just basically put my microphone on mute, my life would be so much easier. <laughs> Honestly, my life would be so much. I was talking to somebody about this before we started recording. Not, 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 not either of you. I was, I was on the phone to somebody else, and they were saying, you know, how busy it is at the moment. I'm working on several different projects at the moment, and some of them are WRC related. And they said to me, said, oh, "What's it like spinning plates?" I said, "My office resembles basically a Greek restaurant at the moment." To give you some idea of what it's like to be spinning the plates we're spinning. So, by all means, Jack, if if you want to take it and run with it, my friend, I will gift it to you with a bow on. There, there really would be some sort of riot. Garbage. Yeah, no, 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 no. There would be a listener, a listener outcry for your return, and there would be it would just get really messy. And... I don't think there would be. You know, I'm the anonymy in all this. I see myself as the anonymy in all this because, you know, in all seriousness, obviously you're the bona fide. Can I use bona fide for you, Jack? <laughs> sounds a bit bad, doesn't it? It does sound a bit bad. It, it does sound. You like... don't call fide. Yeah, um, uh, you're, you're, you're kind of the journalist, obviously, you know, Trev's the, the, the coach, former world champion. Um, speaking of champions, Ryan Champion, you know, he's got such a dual life. You know, you, let's look at some of the things that Ryan Champion does. You know, Ryan Champion is, is auditioning as we speak um, to be the new Judah Chalmers because he's on yet another holiday. Um, you know, he, he genuinely has more holidays than Judah Chalmers. And I realise that that term is something which anybody under the age of 30 won't understand. Trev, on the other hand, will will get that reference, won't you, Trev? Definitely. Uh, he's stalking the Queen at the minute. That sounds Carson, so wrong. But he is. That sounds so wrong. He's <laughs> taking photographs from outside Balmoral Castle. What does that tell you? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, and, and of course, Trev, say hello, Trev. Hello. Um, having waded through all the slush... Uh, it absolutely sounded like you apologised to Jack Banyan. And is this a new thing that we have to do at the end of giving everybody a hard time? <laughs> is this is this like the remorse that you have to go through at the start of the next episode nowadays? I think nah. what, uh, no, no, I'm, I'm glad you said that, Jack. I think what what we need to do, I think we need to get a toy rally car and we need to send it to whoever whoever 
took the most stick and, and basically they need to show us on the toy rally car where, where they hurt, where they got hurt. So <laughs> oh, to speak. just throw it out of the pram again. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, this is not by any stretch of the imagination when anyone's downloaded this podcast this week. The reason why anybody's downloaded this podcast this week, one was to see whether Jack's got any more stick. Um, <laughs> and two is to basically mock us as a group um, for, for our predictions. So before we go any further, uh, Ryan Champions just sent me a text, by the way, um, and, and it's just to prove that we record as live. Apologies, timing went tits up. There you go. So that's that's Ryan's contribution for episode three. Um, so our, our predictions. Bit like his predictions. <laughs> yeah, the queen moved and he had, to, he had to follow her, I think. Let's do Ryan Champions. In fairness, um, so we've got... Um, Ryan predicted Thierry Nouvelle would win. Um, Sebastian Auger would be third. And who for, who's CB? Craig Breen. Craig Breen. Craig Breen. Yeah, Craig Breen second. So, in fairness, Ryan Champion was damn close. It has to be said. Um, Jack Bengham did you, went. Did you just have that? Did you just have that moment where you struggled to read your own writing? Then yeah, I did, mate. Honestly, because I was <laughs> I, I was scribbling it and I, I I scribbled stuff in pencil and I've smudged it and I was looking at it going, that doesn't look like anything I remotely remember writing. Um, so um, you went Sebastian Oje, Craig Breen, Elvin Evans, Jack. Oh yeah, Trevor Agnew went Craig Breen, Sebastian Oje, Tierney Neville. Okay. And I went Sebastian Ogier, Thierry Neuville, and Craig Breen. So I was only one out as well, really. It was Ogier. It was the Ogier effect, wasn't it? But I, slightly different orders. I don't want to. I don't want to try and sort of shamelessly defend my selection. But go on. To be fair. To be fair. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, t- I'll, I'll say. No, I'll you say said, this. You said you don't want to. <laughs> I'll say this because if I defend my prediction it also means i'm defending ryan champions which uh, you know that's uh, i don't no, want to do don't no, i don't want to stick up for ryan champion but no, both of us did say last week that if thierry noville didn't defeat himself then he would win the rally so we we did have that kind of going for us in our predictions that we did uh, kind of stipulate that okay well let's go sh- let's go straight into this let's let, let's talk about thierry that's that's kind of um uh, and it, trev this seems very lazy and it probably is but he you know Reference to what Jack just said there and what Ryan said also last week. He didn't look like he was putting himself in any kind of trouble all weekend long. In fact, at times to me, it genuinely didn't even seem like he was breaking a sweat. He definitely seemed to have it all under control. And we said that last week, the only person who's going to beat him was himself. Um, and I think that's what Ryan said. Uh, isn't it great he's not here to gloat about his predictions? Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, he, he, you're absolutely right. He, he said on a couple of occasions he could have gone quicker if he hadn't needed to, and he knew he wouldn't need to if he was in front of Greg Breen or Oitanic even. So, uh, yeah, he drove accordingly. Absolutely fantastic for Martin uh, Vidica, who's quite close to Ape. I think he lives in the area. Uh, for him to win his first World Championship rally at home uh, in front of his fans just must have been an incredible feeling. Uh, yeah, so... That, 
Yeah. Uh, we always knew that if something happened, then everybody else was ready to jump in there. Um, and clearly then he needed to beat Craig Breen because the registrations on the car are uh, Neville's is ALZ WR49 and Craig's is 50. So I had to finish in that consecutive order. So that's that's, right. that's attention to three. detail, everyone. By the way, that's mm-hmm. a co-driver. There's a co-driver yeah. for you. There's the difference. Yeah, the CDO, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> OCP, wrong order as well. Yeah, I like that. I thought you did that on purpose. Don't ruin it. Don't 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 ruin it. Um, Jack, um, again, I suppose the same point to you. I I was really interested to see um, what was going to happen with, with regards to Thierry because um, previously it's fair to say maybe pressure hasn't been his friend, um, and I thought he would have such massive pressure on him. I genuinely went with the thought process of you guys last week where I thought mm, there's a fair chance he could take himself out um, and I didn't want that to happen obviously. So all weekend I was really really interested in his body language, his stage ends and you know just his, his, his response to when you know even when Craig went quicker and things like that and as Trev just said it just just didn't seem you know it seemed all under control to me didn't phase him. Yeah, no, no real kind of major mistakes or, or anything like that. Really polished drive and, you know, under a lot of pressure from, from Craig Breen for most of the event as well. So, you know, I think it's, there's, there's kind of two ways you could look at it, I guess. You could look at it as if, you know, Craig's got nothing to lose in the sense that, you know, he's not fighting for the championship and, and, and has a few less strings attached in that sense. And, and Thierry obviously needed to win this event to get back into, into the championship hunt effectively. So uh, I guess it's a, it, it was an interesting one pre-event that Thierry didn't really think he was the favourite for the, for the event, but everybody else kind of obviously picked him out as the, the guy who was going to win the event if everything went right. But like you said, you know, we've seen over the years him be very quick in, in, in lots of different places on lots of different surfaces at lots of different times and, and things just haven't quite, you know, gone his way. And, you know, sometimes that's been luck and sometimes that's been, you know, little tiny errors that have gone punished and, you know, this is uh, this is what rallying is all about, isn't it? You know, we see Sebastian Ogier make mistakes, you know, fairly frequently across the course of an event, but they're never, well, not never, but they're they're very rarely, you know, uh, rally-ending incidents. And you know, he seems to get away with uh, a lot of those little kind of moments that he has. Thierry over the years has has, has fallen foul of of some of some of those kind of minor incidents that that you know maybe Sebastian Ogier hasn't. So, you know, I, don't, uh, I, I just thought it was a very polished drive under pressure. You know, everyone expected him to win the event. Hyundai probably expected him to win the event and probably made that clear to him, I would have thought. And he had a very quick, young teammate who, you know, has got nothing to lose on this event, you know, pushing him all the way. So, yeah, brilliant drive, I thought. I I, I agree. Um, I just wonder, and, and I did see quite an amusing Stage end, uh, Trev, with, with, with Craig Breen when somebody suggested there could be team orders. Um, and he, he kind of, um, overplayed it for, 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 for fun, really. Well, somebody said there's team orders, team. Do you think, um, do you think there was an element of now is not the time to push now, Craig came into yeah, the conversation? Uh, as I said at the start, um, <laughs> Craig, Craig knew from the start of that rally that if Neville was in front of him, he are you know if he was in a battle with Neville that he was going to have to give away. Like a, that's what a third driver does, and he is a third driver. Uh, clearly, when Tanaka is issued, they had to get the, the two cars as high up as possible. And clearly, if you're one and two, then both of you are going to ease off because there's a big gap to the next car. Wasn't originally, but they knew that, that both of them had had uh, had performance in reserve. So yeah, and like. Craig will play the team role because that's what he's employed to do. I 
I would say, um, and I, I, do you know what, Craig, Craig, Craig's come across um, as ever. He always comes across so well, um, and does come across as a team player and his love for it and everything else, um, Jack. But I would say his stock come tea time on Sunday was as high as it's ever been in the WRC now. I'd probably agree with you there, and I'd, I'd say it's time for for Craig to really step things up now. You know, he's he's played the long game with with Hyundai for for a long time now, and done a very good job for them over the years by you know doing what they've asked of him. You know, giving up positions or or maybe just holding positions or or, or whatever it might be. You know, he's been used very tactically over over the events that he's done, and now I think it's you know Craig's showing that he's got the ability to be here and deserves that full-time drive. And I think it's time for him to to really kind of, you know, step up and, and take things into his own hands now. And I think we saw a bit of that at Ypres where, you know, he was... Um you know, I don't think he was worried about how he, you know how the other how the other Highland guys were performing. I think all the emphasis was on his own performance and, and worried about what he could do in Ypres. And he knew it was going to be a big a big event for him because of the experience that he had relative to to some of the other people that hadn't done the event before. So it was a, a big rally for him, and I, I thought he delivered in in Spadefalls. And when you consider, you know, Thierry's done you know nine of these events and we all know how how good he is you know um, just in general never mind Ypres it was always going to be a struggle to to chase him down over the course of the event when nothing goes wrong but Craig put himself in the perfect position to capitalize if anything had happened to Thierry and you know delivered a, a really strong performance that you know kind of sets him up now for for 2022 and I think I have to have to give him a seat or, or Craig has to look elsewhere in my opinion because he, I think he's done all he can at Hyundai now and he deserves that chance to, to have a, a full go at the championship now. Trevor, I think it would be, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall now because, you know, Hyundai have been under a certain amount of pressure, it's fair to say, over the last, you know, last few events to say the least and, and you know, the, the we've praised the rotation system in the past um, you know, it, it, it was a throwback, I guess, from 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 yesteryear, where specialists were brought in at different points and things. Um, Craig has been, you know, one of the most constant um, of all the drivers. I did see some stats and stuff that that were produced, um, but I can't help but, you know, I think it's fair to say, you know, um, Thierry's not suddenly going to go part time. Certainly, Oitanak certainly not going to go part time. We know they've got full time contracts. Do we see? Do we see Hyundai perhaps relenting and going to to a, a full time third car, or, or do we believe that Craig does have to go elsewhere? Um, well, according to some rumours, the deal's already done, but I don't know about that. Um, Craig Breen's performance. Let's let's be frank here. There are only a handful of people in the world that understand just how special the performance of that man has been on the last two rallies. To get into one of these cars and drive it at that pace from the outset on both gravel, fast gravel and tarmac, bearing in mind the last tarmac rally he did, he finished four and a half minutes off the pace. Fair enough, on the power stage, he finished like second, three seconds down. But I don't know what's happened. Uh, I haven't read anything since the rally as to how Hyundai have improved the performance for Craig and Oitanic in that car with the field so comfortable. Remember as well, in this rally, Craig didn't have a decent run on the shakedown. So he's straight into the first stage without having to set a competitive time with a couple of punctures. So it's phenomenal, the performance of that man and Paul, of course. Uh, and let's not underestimate that. But there are, there are plenty of other uh, key performances in the rally. But Craig Brain, in a full-time role for a year, uh, he will win rallies. I have no doubt in my mind. Mm. 
I thought um, I thought it was interesting how uh, obviously Oit had some issues, and I think Craig obviously did catch him, and Oit did move. Um, obviously, Oit at stage end said he moved over as soon as you know the radio came through. I think I think Craig was 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 um, um, posing the question, obviously maybe without knowing the full picture at the time, but. Craig had said, you know, uh, ask Oit how he'd feel if he was me. So if you know your teammates behind you and you pull in your puncture, you'd wait if your rally's done for the day anyway to let your teammate pass. So Craig's problem clearly was if he's that close to him, he's kicking up a lot of shit, a lot of gravel. Yeah, that was the And point. it's distracting as well. You know, some would say, well, that'll leg him on a little bit. But, you know, to keep his concentration and still set a competitive time in the back of all of that, again, just testament to how relaxed Craig was in the car. Was that not, was that not, oi, maybe in a kind of... Maybe I'm reading too much into a split second decision here that, that comes in the middle of a stage when everything's kind of heated and the adrenaline's pumping. But that is that not Oit looking over his shoulder and thinking that you know Craig, if he'd have won that event or or did finish in the top three like he did, you know he's only 27 points behind Oitanek now with you know at least three rallies nah, no, remaining. Absolutely not. There's no way Oitanek's thinking he's going to win the championship this year. He's not bothered about finishing second or third again. No, that but what I'm, what I'm saying is it'd be extremely embarrassing for Oitanek if Craig Breen catches him up over the course of the season and has, has done four less rallies than him. I don't think we'll see Craig Breen the rest here. You know, maybe one rally, but that'll be it. Hmm. Just maybe, maybe that's the case, but I'm just wondering if that's maybe something Oit was thinking about that, you know, if, if, if Craig, yeah, you know, does uh, get back in the car then, you know, that's points, uh, uh, you're, you're, you're pissed off you got a puncture jack uh, uh, the jack broke I think didn't it Yeah. Uh, I think it was his case the jack broke so you're thinking about all of that uh, you, maybe one car's gone past he might not even have thought that Craig was coming I don't know was, um, but in, either way you can see why Craig would be frustrated because your teammates in front of you and clearly got a message into the car on safety ground so that's when he pulled over and of course as everybody knows, the mirrors on rally cars aren't that brilliant. But in saying that, there's lots of long straights there. It's not exactly a good round corner. So. Um, Trev, something which you talk about, um, about making your own look and look and, and everything else. If we can talk about Oitanak and look or not look, there's got to be some bad luck attributed now, surely. There's got to be something somewhere. There's something... Not right whether somebody's got, uh, you know, I, I don't know, but something clearly isn't working. Yeah, well, it's hard to stay motivated when you're so far behind, as I said, you know, for Tanik's point of view, he's got a multi year contract. Uh, this year isn't going to work out for him to win the driver's title. He has to be a team player at the end of the day, because uh, that's what he gets paid to do as well. Uh, so unless he's up there, uh, fighting for a win, then, you know, it's going to be a challenge. Uh, it's going to be hard to stay motivated for someone of his talent uh, to take the extra risks or the chances. You know, we've seen how blindly quick he is. So there's a bit of that. Uh, the whole luck thing, you know, everybody teased me about it. But my point with bad luck is, uh, okay, there are times when you're when you're not as fortunate as you could be, but it's dead easy to blame bad luck on... Uh, on something that you can do differently. Uh, so was it bad luck or was it something that I actually did or bad preparation or a bad record, whatever it may be? That's my only point around that. Okay. Okay. Um, Jack, if we can, if we can talk about, you know, we, 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 we'll stick with luck or not luck or, or, or lack of it. 
one thing that you can't attribute to, to M Sport this weekend was, was luck. And you can't help but feel they must be just kind of wanting this season to, 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 to come to an end now. Well, I think they knew this season was going to be a, not, you know, not one to particularly um, focus on. And, you know, the performances of Adrian Formo have been a, a big standout for them and something to give all the and people. By the way, what, what, what credit we have to give to, to the build quality of that car. I must, I was staggered when I seen the damage to that car. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. It was, uh, that was a, that was a bit of a scary accident seeing that kind of happen. And, you know, for, for, for the car to stand up like it did was, uh, was admirable to everyone involved there. All the people who, you know, behind the scenes, including people at the FIA who've helped to, to strengthen the cars over the, over the previous years is, is, is obviously a really good thing. So yeah, I think he's been, you know, a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel in terms of, uh, this season. You know, if, if nothing's been gamed from M Sport for this season, if you know you're going to finish, third in the manufacturers and, and you're probably not going to win any events then you know you've got a, a, a bright young star who's performed brilliantly at some events that he's never been to before and some events that he's very inexperienced at and you know I think Ypres uh, catches out the best drivers at the the most surprising times so to, to, to go off at Ypres is never obviously a nice thing and it's, it's, it's never something you can be highly rated for but I think I understand the level of difficulty involved in this event and that it can catch anyone out at, at any time and you know I think that makes you know, what some of the previous drivers over the years, like Freddie Lux, have been able to do winning so many events in a row and, and winning the event so many times is, is, it makes that even more impressive to me is the, the, the kind of how quickly this event can catch you out in the smallest of little areas and, and, and in the most surprising, you know, kind of ways. So yeah, it's a, it's a really difficult event, one that belongs on the, the WRC calendar as long as it wants to be there. As far as I'm concerned, I, I loved every minute of the event, the, the different challenges and, you know, unfortunately, those challenges caught out M Sport and, uh, you know, it made it a very difficult weekend for them. But, you know, it was a, a really uh, spectacular event to watch from, from the outside. I've just had a thought just before we carry on with M Sport. Trev, we, 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 we spoke quite a lot last week about the, the stages haven't really changed that much over the years. Um, you know, different directions, different, you know, different permutations, but ultimately they are the same stages. And I just think back to, you know, 25, 30 years ago, maybe, you know, 40 years ago, you know, rallying was seen as, 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 as you know, there was an endurance element to, to, to rallying, whereas now it, there's a lot more sprint about it. And I just wonder whether this event, uh, when, when I, you know, I looked at some of the retirements and stuff like that, is this kind of almost a meeting of old and new and, and why we have, you know, some of these offs and et cetera, because, you know, one thing that the, the constant in all this is the same stages, but what has changed is the performance of the drivers, the cars, the pace notes and the co-drivers. Yeah, but April always threw up those types of accidents. If you look back in history, like three or four proper major accidents, which there were, accidents, no, the crashes, uh, which there were again this year. So you mentioned one, you think of Peter Schoen going into a house. Do you see that photograph? That's an old one, that, isn't it? That's... No, the, no, from this from this weekend, there was uh, there was Peter Schoen going into the house, which was... was oh, oh, wow. Yeah. Bizarre. Yeah, absolutely yeah. bizarre. And you've got Takas, uh, which is a fairly... I was going oh, to talk, talk about Takas in a minute. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and poor Keaton Williams as well in the car for the first time. What a shock he got. Uh, his last pace note was colourful, wasn't it? Um, so, yeah, it's, I, 
It was more endurance, clearly, when it was a proper 24-hour rally, where you literally rallied for 24 hours. She started at 2 o'clock on a Friday, and you kept going through most of the night until the next day. Uh, just the nature of the road and the type of roads, or the cuts that we talked about, the ditch hook, and it sometimes doesn't work out. It spits you out, a bit like the ditches in Kielder. Uh, and when that happens, it's usually a fairly monumental one. Uh, or worst case, as we saw, lots of drivers getting stuck in ditches. And I don't think the marshals police this year were that keen on people getting on the road to help them out. So that's why a lot of people were ending the, the leg in a ditch where sometimes there wasn't that much damage to the car. Mm. Um, we'll come back to, we'll, we'll, as I said, we'll come back to Toyota and, 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 and Taka's accidents in a second. I was reading an article about that on Dirt Fish earlier, but, um, just going back just briefly if we can um if we can just talk about obviously um you know we, we we've mentioned Adrian Formo um Trev and you know Gus again I, I kinda had the feel for it looked so innocuous and a bit like what you've just been saying there. You kind of thought, you know, in, in, in Ypres of, of years gone by that would have been a couple of minutes dropped and he would have been out in the ditch. Yeah, and um, maybe a bit of cold tyres uh, oh, issues going on there. Definitely, because yeah. it was only like three corners in, wasn't it? Yeah, and frustrating, you know, and the man sat beside him, Chris Patterson, knows this rally back to front. Chris Tell, his wife, her, her father sadly passed away recently, uh, was part of the the, uh, the organising team. So it must have been very mixed emotions within that family uh, around the whole weekend, in fact. But Chris, you know, you can't do anything here in the passenger seat, that type of thing. Uh, and as you probably saw from the in car, as soon as they're in there and you see the shape of the car, you're only going to burn the clutch out trying to get it out. So, uh, yeah, parking it up is the way. But, you know, that's, that's what Gus is all about experience. You go to new events, you learn. Uh, who knows if and when April will be back in the uh, World Championship again. Uh, again, I think I saw on Dirt Flesh an article that's, uh, that they were mentioned to go back to the European Championship with a view to coming back to World Championship in time. Um, it certainly has got merit to be in there. Uh, maybe the format, interesting enough, if you don't mind talking about what we were chatting about last week, uh, the format where the whole spa side of things, uh, there's mixed, uh, I suppose, opinions around it. And one thing I saw somewhere, I can't remember, uh, was often, I think it was Yves Maton, was saying that maybe we should have went to spa first. And the whole spa idea was cooked up because uh, last year when they were going to be around the World Championship, it was to coincide with the World Rallycross at Spa to have the two events there at the same time, which, you know, would have been fantastic for everybody. So maybe on uh, Thursday night, you run one stage in the daylight or, or two stages in the daylight, then run two more in the dark the way a spa rally does, then go deeper for the uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, there might be something around that in the future if they were doing it that way. It's, it's one thing we didn't actually particularly pick up on last week when we were talking about the, the spa leg of the rally, and that's that, you know, to, to kind of go back to the history of the event and, and, and the kind of size of it and, and what it means. You know, people used to be, you know, three or four deep watching the recce on this rally in the in the 70s and 80s. It's, 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 it's always been a massive event and a, an event that the local area supports and has always been, you know, there to, to kind of lean on for it. And to not finish the rally in Ypres for me felt really unusual. And I, I know, 
start in the rally in Ypres. You know, it, it might be odd if you started the rally in Spa in the sense that, you know, the start of the Ypres rally should be in Ypres. But I, I almost think, you know, finishing the rally with the, the finish ramp and the, the winners spraying the champagne, you know, at night with all the lights from the cafes kind of glinting around and, you know, the, the whole kind of Ypres, night, Ypres nighttime atmosphere that you get in the square at the finish is, is a big part of the event. And uh, I don't think it's as straightforward as saying you should start in Spa and finish in Ypres or you should start in Ypres and finish in Spa. But it's definitely something that, you know, as, as Trev kind of alluded to, there needs to be thought about a little bit and just kind of tweaked to to make sure you know you keep the you keep the atmosphere of the event intact. Actually, it has to work commercially as well, Jack. You know, exactly. I don't I don't know what the the traders and the local authorities in Ape think about the rally finishing at Spa and how that's impacted. So they might have something to say about that going forward. Can Can I just throw something out there as well? Obviously, we know that the ERC is going to be um, promoted by this, obviously, the same promoter as WRC. I wonder whether there's going to be any events, and Ypres would perhaps be one of the standouts, but, you know, if it, it was always kind of known as an ERC round, where we are going to have cross-pollination almost, where there's going to be both an ER, you know, around the European Rally Champion and around the WRC. Or maybe rotation. Yeah. Maybe one year you're in the ERC, next year in the WRC. I don't know how that works because, uh, again, some of the bigger ERC events uh, maybe got more full-time people working them. Again, sponsors, you have to keep the promoters and your partners happy as well. Uh, but there's just so many events in Europe trying to vie, are vying to be part of the World Rally Championship that I don't know, maybe that's, that's what they're thinking around that. I, th- I think one aspect of that is, you know, we've we're, we're at a point now where you know, these guys watch so much video and see so much on board and get so much out of a recce that when it comes to the event, we're not losing anything by going to a new event because, you know, no one's really going to turn up and, and blast everyone away at, at any event. So if you've got a bit of rotation where you go into a different event every couple of years and you're changing the stages and making things different, that's always going to mix things up. And we've seen it in events like Croatia where it's kind of mixed up the order and, and caught a few people out in places and just made things a little bit more difficult to, you know, compared to some of the events where we go every year and we do the same stages or we do a reverse of the same stages and, and people start to get, you know, very familiar with the surface and the, the, the challenge. So I, I'm always up for personally it's always my you know i always think it's good to to mix things up and go to different events and i i think a rotation works as long as it's you know as 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 trev usually comes back to as long as it's commercially viable for the championship and for those events then you know i think it's always a good thing to be mixing things up and giving us you know a new challenge always create something interesting i think it'd be interesting to see where we end up kind of post um, is, is there going to be such a thing as post-COVID? I think that's I think that's a false dawn. I don't think that dawn actually exists, really. But I think in a better situation of managing it is probably a clumsier way of. of that's trying a bit to, deep, isn't it, for this podcast? The, the new normal. <laughs> oh, don't, don't, don't. But um, you know, I'm still I'm still concerned. You know, from a point of view, even from 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 long haul events. You know, as we record this, the Japanese Grand Prix is being cancelled today. Um, so, you know, potentially where are we going to be at with WRC event? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a big worry for, for the end of the year, for sure. Definitely, a, a, you know, we've not had really had time to digest that news today or really understand it properly and, and how it impacts the WRC, but that's going to, you know, that's going to be something that comes out in the next couple of weeks and we're going to have a better idea of, you know, just how likely that event is. But, you know, it'd be a shame to lose another event off the calendar and even more important for, Thierry to win the weekend, the, the event this weekend in case we don't get another extra event because, you know, he, he, you know, if we're, if we're losing an event and he's that far behind, it was really vital for him to, to get that win this weekend. If, if we can just 
get back to, to, to last weekend, and obviously it's the, the one manufacturer we've not talked about was Toyota. Trev, do you think their weekend was as good as their weekend was ever going to be anyway, if you're just a matter of what, where, where their drivers ended up, if that makes sense, whether it was Calais who finished in front of Sebastian or, or Elvin or whatever, they were always going to be the kind of the three positions almost, and it was just going to be who was going to be in what position? Um, yeah, I would have expected Elvin Evans to beat Cali Um Cali Rovenpera was, uh, it was an impressive drive considering he was the first of the non-previous winners, if you like, and Yoni Halton. Um, you would have expected Elvin to beat him. And, uh, I don't know. Elvin never looks that relaxed in the car, but he looked even more tense, uh, this weekend. And there's just something not quite right there that he needs to find a way of relaxing or he needs to find a way of being more comfortable in the car, which has been a bit of a worry this year. Uh, and he needs to do it sooner rather than later because on tarmac, you would expect Elvin Evans to beat Kelly Rovenpera uh, in a straight fight, which I, what I could see it was. Um, so that's, that's a bit of concern for me. I hope he finds a way of doing that very soon uh, on both gravel and tarmac. Just this little bit extra he needs to find consistently. Um and once he nails that, then he's, he's set for another really big championship year next year. But, you know, over those years later at the minute and the fact that uh, he wasn't able to get any points in the power stage um, and, and Oziev more or less uh, finished the event on parity with him. So he maintains the lead. Uh, yeah, that, that's the concern. But Rovan Parra, brilliant drive considering in competition he hasn't driven that car really in one stage where he crashed in Croatia if I remember right yep. um, so yeah that was impressive the other impressive drive that uh, I don't know if anybody else picked up on it was Johan Russell uh, and uh, Alex Correa in, in the Citroen who yep. beat all the locals fastest rally 2 car and um, you know, when you look through all the people behind them, there were none of the regulars close by because everybody in WRC2 had a problem. But still, he was up there, um, and that was impressive as well, I find. I think, I think uh, just, to, just to add on Elvin, I think that was the, if, if I've remembered rightly, that was the first time he's beaten Sebastian Auger since Portugal, and he, uh, I think that's correct. And uh, he managed to lose a point to Auger because of the power stage that, that Trev mentioned. So a really unlucky event in that sense for Elvin that he managed to to beat OJ on a tarmac event, which, you know, if you if you say at the start of an event to someone, would you like to beat Sebastian OJ on a tarmac event and would that be a good weekend for you? Then obviously you would say yes. And I know Sebastian had his problems. That's, you know, probably being a little bit funny about that and, and yeah, being I, a bit I think... lighthearted about that. But, uh, you know, I think that was a bit of a, a disappointing weekend for Elvin to lose a point from having finished ahead of Sebastian OJ just in terms of the championship element of it. No, but he needed to put a lot of points on, on Ogier in this yeah. event. And Ogier, clearly, we saw running first in the road with the dirt and the rubbish, and nobody really expected that. I suppose the people who've monitored that type of thing over the years with those conditions would have sussed it. But once he lost that time, then he's never going to try and win the rallies, so therefore he's not going to drive at the same pace. And as I mentioned last week, it's not as if he can lift off in certain dangerous parts of this rally, because every other corner sometimes can be a moment. So... 
I think he found a pace where he's going to maintain that pace and, and with an eye on the championship, clearly. So the benchmark wasn't Ogier this week. The benchmark for Elvin was definitely Cali Rovenpera, and he should have comfortably beat Cali out of thought. Um, if he was on his game, I mean, he was comfortable in the car. So he just if you look at the in-car, he's even more uptight. And as we know, unless you relax behind the wheel, you're not going to have the same feelings. You're not going to have the same performance. So... Let's see if he can he can figure that out. We hope so because uh, we need him up there fighting for the championship. I think you're right to to pick out Cali as well because I think that's only that might be his first or his maybe it's his his second or third uh, you know proper run on dry tarmac because most of the tarmac rallies he's done before have been wet or or there's been. Um, you know, it's been muddy or, or whatever. So, but I thought the, his performance was really sensible and he seems to be building up that pace on, on tarmac. Obviously, a few years ago, he went to Italy, didn't he, and started to, to work on that before he went to WRC2 with, with Skoda and obviously has done some tarmac events in the WRC in the, in the R5 and stuff. But in the WRC car, he's slowly kind of building up to this pace that we've, we've kind of seen this weekend. And I think it's only going to get better from here, really. I, I really, you know, for someone who's, you know, been around since he's eight years old and we've known all about him for, for so long. I really respect how he kind of builds up to things and, you know, he will make mistakes, at, you know, when he's trying to find the limit and, you know, all drivers have to do that. But I think he's got this kind of element of building up to things where he doesn't bite off more than he can chew and he just works his way forward every, you know, every challenge that he faces. And that's always a, a sign of a, a driver who's going to be, you know, very good in the future because he's working through his mistakes. He's learning how to, to write them and, and just building his pace up to a, a point where he's going to be, a, you know, a very, a, a very quick proposition in the future, I think. Well put, mate. Well put. Um, listen, I, I want to move away from, from, from Ypres. We've got a little, little bit of any other business in a second, but there's one story um, that I wanted to speak to Jack about. And I genuinely can't believe <laughs> I wonder he what this is going to be. I genuinely can't believe he has a spontaneously combusted even when we started recording this. Um, so, Jack, uh, I wanted to talk to you about uh, Renault evaluating the WRC program. <laughs> no, you don't. Talk to me about the real thing. <laughs> talk to you about. <laughs> Tell me about the lady voice. <laughs> no, no, don't don't do that. No, 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 no. Um, Sebastian Loeb. Yeah, is that all you're going to say? That's all I'm going to say, because everybody who listens to this podcast will know this story by now. So I don't really <laughs> genuinely need to fatten it up. I need to just say Sebastian Loeb and then Trev and I put our mics on mute and then you go you go all kind of schoolgirly on us. Well, you know, you took the mick out of me for doing too much roundy roundy and not being on the podcast. And it's because in the background, I've been I've been working with Sebastian Loeb to get him back into the WRC. <laughs> this is all this is all my doing. It took months of work, but we're finally in a position where we're ready to kind of roll things forward. Now I've been joking. I, I, I didn't realise he, he uh, by all accounts, and I've, to be fair, I'm quoting directly from 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 from, from David Evans' article, of course, at Darefish. So it makes reference to the fact that um, he has um, done some. Um, well, potentially he could be doing some mentoring maybe for Adrian Formo. So you could understand why maybe, um, you know, having Loeb go there to, to assist Adrian Formo, who was clearly very highly rated by, by, by all at M Sport. It kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it's. Uh, it, I think for M Sport, it's got to be a no-brainer, hasn't it? If if Loeb turns up and does a few events for you, you know, you make sure that the car's relatively close to the limit, and and it is, you know, good enough, especially with the new cars coming in, and also, 
yeah, to do a bit of mentoring for Adrian Formo is never going to be a bad thing when, when Sebastian Loeb's mentoring you. So I, I think it's a win-win all round if this deal gets across the line. Um, I'm, I'm disappointed personally because it's, it's, you know, he's kind of ruled out Finland from, from what David Evans article says. So for me, that's always a big disappointment when drivers rule out Finland. I, I always, you know, really don't like that when, when that happens. So that's a disappointment. And also Monte Carlo is extremely unlikely because he'll be, um, He'll be either coming back or going to Dakar for for either testing or pre-event stuff. So uh, I think it's a real shame that we won't see him on on the Monte or Finland. But let's be honest, his his kind of full-time um, you know career in the WRC is gone now, and he's not going to be someone who turns up and wins four or five events out of the four or five events he does. He's going to be someone who you know M Sport can really rely on for the for the you know moving the direction forward of this car that they're building, and and also to to instill some some good advice and, and to do some mentoring for for, for agent formo so i think like i said at the start it's a it's, it's a win-win run all around it's a bit disappointing to not see him on monty or, or finland likely but you know anytime sebastian lerbs in the wrc is has got to be a good thing as long as he's not taking a, a drive off you know a, a young person who who's earned that drive basically and that's where i was going to go to trev trev your thoughts on on, on potentially lobes limited program at Sport? i'm glad jack finished with that caveat um, so how do you stop them taking a drive from the young guy? <laughs> well, it's it's a case of risk versus reward for the team, isn't it? You know, if, if there's if there's a young driver who's proved themselves good enough to to be in that seat and deserves to be there, then they should get it. But if M Sport have decided that there's more value for their team to have Sebastian Loeb in the car can, for events, can I and, just can I interject? And I've got my hand up. Yeah, of course. Okay. It would help if we had cameras on. To say I know, I know, but it's fine. That's why I said I've got my hand up. So I was <laughs> telling you I had my hand up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Put your hand down, Tony, and answer the question. It's okay. Thank you. I will. Uh, I was like, sir, 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 sir. Um, the concept of, and, and you know, I'm sure, listen, Malcolm Wilson is, is a genius at, at pulling things together. Um, he's done it repeatedly. And we've we've speculated Numerous, numerous times, as everybody does about Ford's involvement or lack of involvement or more involvement and more involvement with the new car. But to me, and I'm used to doing pictures, by the way, and going in pitching to people. If I was going in to do a pitch to whether it would be to Red Bull, of course, who Sebastian Loeb's got a long relationship with, or indeed to Ford Performance, who, of course, M Sport got a long relationship in my back pocket, if I had a nine-time world champion to pull out of my trunk, by the way, we're going to have a nine-time world champion working with his developing the car, whether obviously, you know, um, Ford over in France get involved. Obviously, we've seen that historically where I think, you know, Hyundai France also got involved to some degree as well when he went to Hyundai. Um, as opposed to taking a drive away from, from an inverted commas, a younger driver, is this not strengthening potentially, and again we're speculating, the the chances of M Sport being stronger by doing something like this? Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a it's a fair point. Uh, you know, I think the, the I think sometimes fans in the WRC can get a bit carried away with you know young drivers and and them to you know theoretically deserving a seat and it's not up to M Sport to employ a young driver for the sake of employing a young driver it's up to M Sport to do what's best for the future of their company and for the future of their team and to win to win rallies and win championships so I think there's there's a there's a short-term 
long-term game you're playing here isn't there you know you could put someone more inexperienced in the car and risk not developing this car to its maximum where you know you don't achieve the success further down the line with that driver that you've helped to, to develop by putting him in the car or you do put Sebastian Loeb in for three or four rallies that car is shared with another young driver for the rest of the rallies or it doesn't run and you know you get uh, theoretically a stronger Adrian Formo and a, a better developed car so you know, I, I think it's, uh, yeah, I, I still think there's more um, reward for M Sport, whether it's, you know, employing Loeb now um, or, you know, having a, a young driver in the car. I still think there's more benefit of putting Sebastian Loeb in the car. And, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the silly season plays out. Um, you know, if we if we change how we feel about that in the, in the kind of aftermath. But at the minute, you know, I think that's the best move for them. Trav, before we finish... I've- yeah, I feel there's a totally different. Forget about what's happened with Ford and their support, which has been mostly around the technical side of things. As I said before, a couple of three weeks ago, uh, I feel with the Puma now, there's a totally different emphasis and we'll see a different approach from Ford. That's my feeling reading between the lines. So some of these things are definitely going to be possible moving forward. Anything that will help promote the car, promote that Puma brand, uh, I think has got to be a good thing. And, of course, there's no more savvy commercial person than than Malcolm Wilson. And if it does get more younger people in, if they, uh, the fact that he's there, we, the, we know the pedigree that they have in bringing on young drivers, which uh, clearly they get a financial return on it over time when those drivers do go and get uh, nice contracts with other manufacturers. But uh, yeah, uh, I just feel that it's going to be a bit more exciting and very, very uh, interesting to see because we know that M Sport hit the ground running with their car. So come Monte Carlo next year, it's going to be very interesting to see who the drivers are and more importantly, how quickly and reliable that car is out of the box because I've got good feelings about that and they deserve it because of the pain they've gone through. Absolutely. What a great place to stop there. So um, have you got any other business this week, Trevor Agnew? I have. Cool. Have you got one, Jack Bangin? Yeah, I put minimal effort into mine this week because I, I, I found, like out, you do any I found out if you do make an effort with your any other business, then it just no, goes Jack, down the toilet. No, Jack, this is, this is the point, Jack. You didn't make an effort. You went on EWRC.com, started off. I, I'm quite passionate about this, Jack, right? You started off with something that I was genuinely impressed by. Genuinely. I was like, this is fantastic. And again, I feel like a broken record because I reacted this way last week. And then you put this element of vagueness that you might be just taking a punt at it right at the end. Uh, but I explained that it was it wasn't it's not a punt. Um, you know, it's uh, we've already punt. gone through this already. Stupid punt. I think someone stupid. someone who earns a living writing and using words. It was the wrong choice of words. Was how Jack. Uh, yeah, I did. I did say that afterwards and did say that oh, I did, wish yeah. I'd used that word now. Yeah, we remember. I think this is, this is a, this is the thing with the with the new age that you just can't you're just not allowed to make mistakes anymore and and even if you apologise for them no one cares because you made the mistake in the first place. Well, no, you you're, you can make mistakes. The consequences <laughs> yeah. are sometimes a little bit harsh. Really, yeah, that's <laughs> what I say that's that's the, yeah. I think Trevor just nailed it. No, it was, um, it was fair. It was fair. I, I used the wrong choice of words, but okay. I'm, I'm still confident in, in in last week's any other business in terms okay. of me being correct about it. I'm quickly gonna I'm quickly gonna do my any any other business. Patrick Snyers and an uh, uh, escort Cosworth. Was it, was, it, was it not a world car? Well, yeah, it was a red. Yeah, it was, it's probably pro- probably Bastos colours, wasn't it? Yeah, or, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, 
what I was going to say. Yeah, my end of the business. Um, just a very, very quick one. Unfortunately, we 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 did a story a couple of weeks ago. Um, if you remember, right at the beginning of the year, um, all of us and I got everybody involved and tried to help, and I got some of my personal sponsors um, involved, and we tried to do something really cool um, for the R2 Juniors here in the UK in BTRDA. Um, unfortunately, um, nothing really came of it. It wasn't really pushed and uh we didn't really get ideas of numbers who was going to do it or or whatever and unfortunately because we didn't have the answers and our commercial backers didn't get the answers they were looking for we we had to can it for this year um which was really really disappointing and um yeah um I'm, i'm really sorry to the guys who who wanted to do it but genuinely we weren't fed any information of who was going to be doing it so we had to make a really tricky decision um and um yeah so i just wanted to kind of say sorry we tried to do something um clearly it didn't work for 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 various reasons and um you know if if we don't know who was going to do it then it was always going to be very very tricky to to kind of look after people and and, and get them involved and all the things that we put in place with regards to coaching and all those other things we just didn't get that information so um apologies um and uh, hopefully we'll try and do something again in the future, maybe in a slightly different way. But uh, that's still to be reviewed moving forward. Anyway, Jack Banging, you're any other business? Uh, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Keaton Williams, who we did briefly mention earlier in the show, but didn't really talk about him last week. Um, you know, basically sending a message of support to him after his uh, after his crash on the Ypres rally. But I believe he'll be back in for the Acropolis with Taka. So if that does come about, then hopefully a, a really nice second chance at uh, a WRC debut, effectively for for Keaton, one of the most lovely guys you can bump, bump into in, in in the UK, kind of rallying scene, and, and has always worked really really hard at what he does and 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 just genuinely been a really lovely person to be around so i really hope he's uh he's okay after the weekend and, and bounces back strongly so big message of support to him and also thought it was quite cool that matthew wilson managed to win the the grampian rally in the brc last weekend so we're checking out the results of, of that rally and going back and, and reading some stuff about that he uh he won that rally quite significantly in the ford fiesta with elliot edmondson who came back after a, a little while out and oshin price and, and reese yates rounded out the podium both friends of the show so hopefully we'll get well, them back on soon at some point Oshin was on with us last week so yeah yeah, um, yeah, yeah, so we we, we had some stuff with Osh I'll be honest with you I I was genuinely I was genuinely excited when I seen the entry list for that and you know we can I've I've tried to separate myself Jack and I said this even on the podcast last week I've tried to remove myself as much as possible from the BRC because I wanted to I wanted to become a fan again this is whether you have this I, I live and breathe rally and I, I, my business is involved in it. I'm involved with it. I do a podcast about it. And sometimes it can become, it can almost become too much. You're almost like you need to step away from it a little bit. Sometimes I do anyway, Hand, you know, hands up on that. Um, but um, I've, I try to make the BRC something that uh, a bit like the way I am with WRC. I try to remove myself from that as much as possible and not, and, and become a fan again, almost. And I've done that with BRC and, one thing that um one thing I was really, really disappointed about, and this isn't a convoluted way to have a have a pop at the BRC. It was just one of those moments where I allowed myself to forget all the other stuff that was going on around it and what's happened with it over the last few years. And I thought I went looking for the highlights package. I wanted to I thought, what a great thing to watch. And there's no highlights package. And I think that's really sad when 
you know, I, I came back into BRC in 2016 and, and, you know, it started off with the, you know, the channel four and da, 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 and systematically it's, it's, it's come down further and further and further with regards to what coverage it gets. And, you know, it's been, it's been presented in the fact that, oh, you know, everybody wants everything online now and everything else. Yes, they do to an extent. Um, but if everybody wanted everything online, you know, there still wouldn't be highlights packages put on for, for, for other forms of motorsport on, on different TV stations, to be honest with you. So I don't, completely buy into that i think it's it's a it's a convenient way of of not having any kind of tv coverage and when i seen those results come in jack i genuinely gave myself a moment where i thought i want to i I, want to watch it i'd forgot we haven't got we haven't we we haven't got any any tv for it anymore yeah i i I don't really know what to to say about that really other than you know it's uh it's a difficult one isn't it There's, there's not really a lot I can add to that personally. That's something for the the BRC to kind of uh, talk about and address. But I did want to just add as well um, that I know the organisers of that rally, the the Grampian Forest Rally, have, have, have you know been organising that event for for a long time. And one thing that was definitely you know the uh, the kind of uh, shared opinion of pretty much every driver I heard from or, or saw anything from on on social media with this, the stages were really impressive and um, that the event was well organised and, and well put together. So you know we're quite often criticising you know, rallying in the UK in the direction it's going in, but we should all probably do a bit more to kind of credit some of the organising teams that, that put a lot of work in over the course of, you know, sometimes 18 months to organise one event and some of the, you know, the difficulties that they have to go through, especially with COVID now as well, and, and, and trying to, to, to keep events running, you know, in difficult circumstances. So just wanted to, uh, you know, kind of no, share that, that, no, that kind point, of reflection from the, from the drivers and everyone who was involved in that event was really, uh, you know, really... Uh, positive and uh, congratulated the organizers for the event that it run so wasn't lucky enough to be there but from what i heard it was a, a really good one yeah absolutely trevor agnew you're any other business this this week sir uh, i'm going to keep it parochial apart from craig breen and paul nagel finishing second overall on Eber rally i thought josh mecker lane and james fulton did a great job in finishing 12th and beating a lot of locals having slipped off and shaked down got the car ditched of course in the junior world championship i know we've got john armstrong on later uh victory for him with phil hall uh but more importantly great to see the pace well not more importantly but in addition great to see the pace of william crichton again uh in his first uh year in the juniors uh been up there setting fastest times with liam reagan alongside him uh that's it for my any other business because i need to yeah. rush <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, it quick, he's a quick, quick boy. Again, I make reference to the fact when we came back to BRC in 16 and, and William Crichton was there in, in a 208. Um, and, uh, he was, he was blisteringly quick even then. And you think about, you know, we're, we're, geez, we're five years on now. Okay. We had a year out pretty much last year, but he was quick then and, and he, and he's honed his skills very, very well. And to go toe to toe, as you say, with, with John, who's very, very experienced. I think they, we'll talk about it after the break in a second with John, but they shared seven stage wins each, which I think is, is phenomenal. And that's kind of, uh, can we call it Irish domination of the JWRC? I think we can, can't we? So there you go. Yeah. There you go. <clears throat> right, boys. Uh, thank you for this week. Um, that, that's, that, 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 that's you done. As I say, we're going to go to a little break. Um, we're going to come back with John Armstrong, but, uh, Jack Bennion, um, we'll speak to you again soon. Not too much more roundy, roundy shit. Okay. Okay, well, uh, yeah, that's that's fine. I, I, I am going to add from last week that Hank Vossen and Johan <laughs> Findhammer finished 43rd, in case anyone was worried about where they'd finished. <laughs> I, I, I kind of forgot. Uh, I, I kind of forgot. Um, but thanks. 
Thanks for well, that. All the, all the more reason to bring it bring it up again at the end there. That was that was uh, that was a vital piece of information then in that and, sense. And and Stefan Prevo, unfortunately, with uh, alongside Glenn Jensen's, um, unfortunately had uh, had an off as well. And 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 God forbid if 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 Glenn Jensen's didn't uh, didn't do as he was told by Stefan Prevo. <laughs> Because we all know Stefan doesn't pull any punches. Uh, Trev, we'll catch up soon, OK? Cheers, bye. Thank you, Sharps. Uh, folks, we'll be after this break with John Armstrong. This is Absolute Rally. Whether it's the pressures of service or an issue out on the stages, it's vital to have the right equipment to hand. Kielder cordless tools are tailored for the world of motorsport and are being used throughout all forms of competition. Go back to the future with the Kielder Works team. Welcome back to the final section of Absolute Rally. Of course, we always have our favourites. And we couldn't get any, so we just got John Armstrong. Hello, John Armstrong. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> You're one of the family now, John. I can't be nice all oh, the time. Oh, that, that was a good one. That got me. I um, got you. I reeled you in. I reeled you in. Um, <laughs> mate, right. We'll do the nicety. We, now we've done, you know, it's like the, it's, it's the old adage of the shit sandwich. You know, you can't have it both ways. You've got to have you got to have the nice bit and then the, the shit bit and then the good bit. So the good bit, of course, is congratulations on um, a pretty much dominant performance. Um, seven faster stage times on Ypres looked very much in control all the way through it. Um, again, another 10 out of 10 performance for, for me. Was it a 10 out of performance, 10 out of 10 for, for John? Yeah, yeah, it was a really strong event. I would say it was our and strongest result this year uh you know we let we led from the first stage um to the finish and um it it was one of those events we didn't really know where everyone was going to be um because no one no one had done the rally before um apart from uh will creighton because he had done it in in the brc um so yeah we just didn't know where where everyone's pace was going to be at but um in, in the first the first loop we we got a, a really nice lead um, uh, we were pushing quite quite hard um, and yeah every, everything felt nice we had a good recce the car was working well and the cuts uh, that we'd marked in the notes and the lines that we needed to take were were really nice and everything was going well in terms of rhythm so did they stand up uh, John sorry 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 to interrupt but that was you know, obviously the big talking point always when you talk about Ypres is the cuts um but obviously you're running a bit further down the field following obviously the world cars and and the rally two cars etc 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 so the cuts stood up then basically to, to to what you had in your notes yeah um you know that's something that you need to to do in recce is, is try and see where the lines are going to be and where you're going to be uh, cutting. Um, and yeah, obviously we don't have a gravel crew or anything like that. So once we get to the stages, then uh, we have to react to what we see. Um, of course, sometimes we can, we can watch uh, WRC uh, if we're parked up before the stages and, and see the WRC drivers driving through and you might get some reference that way. But in general, I don't do too much of that. I I just try to spot where I'm going to be driving on the rally and 
you can see where people have been cutting during the recce and uh yeah uh, when when you get there in the rally car you normally go in a lot more than what you you're expecting but uh to be honest it's no different than any other um tarmac rally that i've done in the, the wrc uh you know the the top guys in front of us are just using all of the road and, and everything that everything more you know cutting as much as they can so it's just learning how to drive in those conditions and staying on the clean line and and not uh not having too many moments that that's obviously going to affect your um confidence but yeah the the event was really good uh i i think the recce every every rally this year on recce i've always been a bit like um don't know how how this is going or the pace now it's going to be good but to be fair once we've got on on, on the stages and out doing the action everything's been perfect and gone to plan um but the event was was really enjoyable uh, not so slippy actually um there was a couple of stages that were quite quite slippery with different uh surface changes but friday was generally quite good um and then up at Spa, the stages were were quite tricky up there. There was uh, a lot more uh, rain, I think, and and floods up up that part of the world. And yeah, the the roads were a lot more gravelly, so it was tricky just trying to drive around without making any mistakes. And obviously, we weren't pushing too much after the first day. We were trying to manage our lead so it's always difficult when you've got a good gap and you're trying to manage it and you need to try and find a, a rhythm that's that's going to keep your lead but not lose too much time and obviously when you do back off it's it's difficult to keep your concentration when uh, you know it, it's it's one of those and again we always seem to use this term iconic events but i, I was watching quite a lot of the onboards um yesterday as it turned out i just kind of had a little bit of time where i could sit down and look at stuff and uh, i think i don't think people tend to realize that the, the, the i and i was genuinely surprised and i've watched Ypres and i've watched old footage of Ypres, but the aside from the spa section of it which i'll come to in a, in, in a second the the quality of the tar isn't necessarily the smoothest in the world. I noticed, you know, I've seen quite a lot of holes filled in and different levels of, of tar and stuff like that. You know, very bumpy, you know, undulating almost. Some of it reminded me, and I, well, the point of reference I can use is is, is some of the, the the tighter inroads, I suppose, like on the manks, you know, the high banks, um, you know, ditches and stuff like that but equally you know not necessarily the the greatest flattest tarmac in the world um am i getting that right am i or, or did i just kind of parachute in on 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 a couple of just dodgy bits yeah no you're you're 100 correct the roads aren't smooth at all um you know there's lots of bumps and on-scene bumps that you don't necessarily pick up in recce that um Thankfully, we've got a, a good suspension in the, the Rally 4, so it soaks up any, any unexpected bumps. But yeah, the stages are quite, quite tricky. Um, compared to Croatia that we done earlier in the year, it was a lot more bumpy and narrow. And, um, yeah, you just have to commit to your driving and, uh, keep, keep your foot in it really. Cause, you know, over the bumpy stuff, if you do have a bit of a moment, the, the worst thing you can do is, is come off the throttle. So, 
but yeah, the, the stages were fantastic, super fast as well. Um, you know, that's something that that uh, is a bit of a wake up call. Like when you go into shakedown and you're on the limiter uh, in fifth, you know, for a good five seconds, and you have to, you know, just be like, oh, okay, this is what it's going to be about. Is, is uh, Get, getting the balls out essentially um so yeah it, it, it's a super event it's it was really enjoyable to drive and uh yeah the rally four car is actually super super fast i don't know what the top speed is i think it's like 180 kilometers per hour wow. uh so yeah it's they they do i think it's probably the quickest outside of an r5 or wrc it's definitely the quickest car i've driven um, it's a proper pocket rocket uh, little, little machine. So, yeah, you, you really have to be on your A game to be fast in them. And uh, the stages were, were really enjoyable. Like, uh, it's, uh, it's a proper rally, but it can bite you so easily. Um, you know, we were we were having a great run on Friday, but we had a bit of a, a close call with a, with a ditch on stage three uh, that... Uh, Sort of was was a bit of a, a wake up call that I, I needed to rein it in, rein it in, rein it back slightly, um, and then for the rest of the event we were a little bit more cautious. But uh, it's, it, it, that that happened in a cut that we were breaking for a tighter corner, and it's um, it's just all about having that in the notes. So my my breaking point in the notes was was a bit too late, so I'd already gone into the the fast corner before the braking zone a, a bit too hot uh which had a cut on it and then when you when you brake heavily in a cut uh you can you can hit the sump guard off the the edge of the road um which obviously takes a uh, grip away from the front and uh yeah almost slipped into a ditch so that's not what you don't that's definitely what you don't want you don't to want do, to be so. you definitely don't want to be doing that but are no. those are, are those moments and we call them moments of course i think everybody recognizes them as, as, as moments whether you've been in a car or not but we we know them as moments there's a moment like that do you think that's actually quite important because clearly you've reached uh you've reached that level where there is the wake-up call where you go okay we need to we need to rein this in because you know god forbid if you if you don't have a moment like that and it's a it's not it's a moment that it's not easy enough you know it's easy enough to, to kind of gather it up and, and, and kind of hit that reset button if you don't have that moment and that moment happens somewhere else you may not be given that chance to gather it back up again it could be game over yeah i think at that level um you know if you're not having moments then you're probably doing something wrong. Uh, it's just, thankfully, we, we were able to build up a big enough gap that we didn't have to take those sort of chances throughout the whole rally. Uh, but, it, you know, if you're in if you're in a WRC car, you have to be taking those chances everywhere. Uh, and it just becomes part of, part of the game, really. Um, and, yeah, <laughs> you just have to get used to having a couple of moments every so often. Uh, and try to avoid having unexpected moments. I think because um, that one was a bit was a bit unexpected and probably was just down to not having the the slowing in my pace notes before the the corner. Um, it should have been a bit earlier. So 
it's just that it's all about learning, you know, what what you can do better to to avoid having moments where you don't really need them. Um, but yeah, thankfully we we managed to get away with it. And uh, I, I had another bit of a close call on Friday too, where I, I took a bigger cut than what I wanted to do um, compared to what I had seen on Reiki. Uh And basically the cut was on the inside of the edge of the road. Um, and when we, when, I, when we went into that, the car started to slide a bit uh, and then hit the edge of the road with the, the right rear rim. Um, so we, we actually bent the axle uh, and we're lucky not to get a puncture. Uh, and I had to drive the next two stages with a slightly bent axle. Um, so we were lucky, lucky to get away with that too, really. And yeah, sometimes you just have to have a bit of luck too. Absolutely. How, you know, you, you talk about managing before, you know, managing a lead before. When, when, when you're in this position where obviously you're, you're fighting for a championship, um, and, what's, what is your mindset when you've built up a lead you know is it right okay you know we've got wiggle room now it's it's seven tenths or it's eight tenths or, or whatever you know are you still pushing on the last one as hard as you push it on the first one uh definitely not no like okay. like once once you build up a lead then it's it's all about trying to get away with going as slow as, slow as possible as, you, yeah. as, slow, as slow as possible really but you still have to keep a, a rhythm that you're not gonna make any silly mistakes because once you completely switch off and then, then you know stupid things can happen so i always try to keep a good rhythm that uh you know we're not losing 10 seconds a stage um and, and to be honest across the whole weekend we didn't lose any more than 10 per stage i think the most was seven on one of the stages that was particularly uh dirty so i was being quite careful and uh the cuts, because yeah, like I said, if you go offline on on cuts, you can quite easily slip into a ditch or even worse. So, um, but yeah, the the mindset definitely changes. The, the only thing with junior WRC is you get a championship point for every stage win. So, I guess you're trying to keep a good pace in case you can win a stage. Um, and that that did happen on Saturday. We did we managed to win two stages that just seemed. I, I won it on the first pass and the second pass. It just seemed to suit us without taking any big risks. We were, we managed to win it. Um, so yeah, you want to keep a good rhythm with hope that you can get a stage win, which obviously gives you a, a championship point. Um, so yeah. It's a bit like the power stage in the main field, you know, you're, you're always going to push a bit more in that to try and get a few more championship points, but obviously you're risking uh, your overall result. John, I've, I've got to ask, um, and it's one point which obviously, I don't know whether you're like me, but if you are, you can tell me to shut up, it's fine, we know each other well enough, right, but... I'm looking now at the standings. I'm looking at the, the, the championship table where it was. If, if I was John Armstrong, I wouldn't even want to have this conversation and talk about what needs to happen and what doesn't need to happen. But you might be completely different to me. So I'm going to ask you, have you <laughs> even looked at what needs to happen on, on the final round? Cause obviously we've got one to go now. Yeah. Um, 
we, we've been we've been already looking at that and trying to figure out what what we need to do because um, going into the last round we are three points behind the leader overall but with the drop score um, we would be five points ahead so so yeah eff- effectively the drop scores count now because we're going into the last ra- round so um, and the last rally as well is double points so the gap between the play- the positions is much bigger um, so for the, the gap between first and second is usually seven points but now it's going to be 14 on the last round um, so yeah if if, if Sami uh, wins the rally and we finish second, then we would need like nine more stage wins than him across the whole rally, which is a, a that, that's quite it's not impossible, but it's a it's a it's a big ask. So essentially, we could do it just beating Sami on the rally, um, whether that's you know winning the rally or I come second, he comes third. Uh, that would probably be enough as well. Okay. Um, but I think uh, we just need to go into the event with the same um, the same approach that we've had all year. Just try to focus on ourselves and, and get the maximum out of of what we can do, and uh, yeah, try and just get as many points on the on the event. And yeah, quite quite quickly, whenever. You know the first loop is done, and you see where everyone is at, is at pace wise and position wise. You can start to formulate what needs to happen across the rest of the rally and how much you need to push. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, and obviously that you've got the stage win points on the last rally too, which is you know twenty stages. There's twenty points available for that, which which really adds up. Uh, but I think the positions are the main the main thing to focus on because you know if you can if you can get a lead and finish first you've automatically got 14 more points than the person who's going to finish second uh and then yeah it, it's just a matter of trying to get a couple of stage win the, points the, the, the maths is making my head hurt john but you're yeah. in the right i think this this you're, you're, you're a lot more killed than me so you've got this under control it's fine i've got yeah. full faith yeah the simple answer is we just need to to go out there and uh, and do the best we can and, and try and go for uh, a win, hopefully. I have my shoes and socks off and everything then, John. Trying to work it all out. So there you go. <laughs> Mate, listen, as ever, uh, it's been a joy to speak to you. It's been a joy to watch the result come in. Obviously, um, you know, we, we, we always joke about it. Obviously, you've been our man in JWRC. Uh, we will talk to you before Spain. We'll talk to you about preparations and what's going to come up. Um, and we'll catch up with you soon, okay? Perfect. Thank you very much. Top man. Uh, winner with Phil Hull alongside John Armstrong, JWRC, Ypres at the weekend. Folks, that has been Absolute Rally for this week. And we'll be back same time, same place, in the podcast hold next week. Absolute Rally. Powered by the Kielder Works team. Spread the word and download the podcast every week.